On this episode of Hit Subscribe, we talked to Tom Mucklow and Tom Carew at Superco. The incredible duo of Tom and Tom at Superco share their experience in merchant subscriber growth using their four-pronged approach, data analysis, subscription growth, churn reduction, and average order value growth. We examine each in depth to identify what levers they currently pull and how their thinking is shifting as new technologies enter the space like AI and machine learning. Diving into each piece uncovered valuable insights like requiring reasons for cancellations so you can understand why the subscriber doesn't want your product. Oftentimes, they found the subscriber had other ways to manage their subscription and just weren't educated on their options. Finally, Tom and Tom cover loyalty and how the current points-based model may need a serious overhaul in the near future. They hint at memberships being the new frontier for loyalty and explain why memberships benefit both the merchant and the end customer. Tom and Tom, thank you both for joining us. Thanks very much for having us. Tell us a little bit about yourselves and about Superco TC. Let's start with you first. So I take care of everything operational on the business and finance, and Tom's more on the sales side of things. I'll let Tom jump in and do the introduction and tell us a little bit about the business. So yeah, we're, we're a Shopify Plus agency based here in the UK, but I have clients across the world, quite a few in the US, covered in Europe, and then the balance really is in the UK. We're very focused on like all things retention. Most of our clients sell something consumable. Pet food, pet care, food and bev, CBD, beauty, you name it. Pretty much everyone uses subscription in one way or another. I mean, even our apparel brands are looking at doing memberships with you guys. Most of them are recharge clients. We've only been in the agency space a few years, but we've ended up working a lot with recharge and subscription in general. So it's just been a real core focus of us as an agency is that retention piece and how, how we can help our customers make more money from customers they already have. Awesome. Perfect intro, right what I want to get into. So today's going to be how Superco looks at subscriptions, whether we're driving subscriptions, increasing adoption, increasing average order value, reducing churn. I think all of that kind of plays into this whole piece of lifetime value. So let's start just with the basics. Data was the first thing that came up as we were talking. So how do you look at data analysis in order to make decisions moving forward? What's the process like within Superco? So I'll jump in on this one. We approach retention from a customer first perspective. So we try and set up a survey at each point of the customer journey. So the first touch point is like capturing their email address, and then you've got the first purchase. And ideally from the first purchase, you're either going to get them to repeat the subscription or from a one-time order, you're going to try and get them into like a subscription cycle. So we try and capture like lapsed customer data. And also once they're in subscription cancellation reasons. So our service ties together design development and email marketing so that we own that whole channel. So from the get-go, you're really tying everything together. Yeah, it's a we look at We try and get data from every source we can. Things like review platforms, like Scrape, kind of the Yopo reviews, obviously all your cancellation reasons, post-purchase surveying, literally calling customers and finding out why they canceled to get more granular data on the dreaded other reason, which like no one, everyone hates. So like trying to just dig in more deeply into like all of those points to essentially like try and reduce churn by anything is beneficial like fraction percentages in the long run hugely beneficial to the business just try to so say like yeah we're, we're looking at kind of all data points and then that feeds into how we design product pages like maybe customers are not staying subscribed because they didn't realize that the subscription is going to be 30 days and thought maybe it was going to be 45 days. So it's just like learning all these kind of points and then using that to feed into like how we go about improving the site, how we go about 
improving like the scope of subscription flows, like how you as a business maybe think about subscription differently, think about your products differently. Like some products may not be designed for 30 day subscription, yet they are being sold as such. So like, how do you go about changing that? So maybe it's a 45 day subscription or 45 day product so that you can just like keep people in that cycle and people aren't just dropping out because they have too much product. So yeah, we look across the whole kind of spectrum of that really. One of the things we've seen recently, which is interesting, is that if you change the recommended interval frequency to a less frequent interval, it has a positive impact on lifetime value. So we see that, especially with kind of beauty products, it's good for the customer to run out and then want to receive the next subscription rather than having too much. If you're tracking the data and looking at the cohorts, that stuff becomes apparent. Yeah. On, I mean, just on this, I was playing around earlier with, um, I don't know, everyone's talking about AI and we've, we've talking, I've just sat through uh, the new Shopify editions where <laughs> the work of like design dev agencies and, and kind of like more basic end of the app spectrum is just slowly getting featureized by Shopify. I was playing around with the code interpreter in GPT-4 and just like using that to just crunch like subscription cancellation reasons earlier, trying to get it to meld kind of the extra information you get from that little box and then build that, push that into kind of the main cancellation reasons and then run some like, I mean, fairly rudimentary analysis on that. But what used to take a fair amount of time and it was quite manually having to go through all these subscription reasons now takes about 10 seconds. Quite annoyingly, I, about five months ago, I built some custom reports with then a consultant and like a very complex cohort. And then Tom plugged it into ChatGPT and uh, <laughs> produced the same output in about five minutes, which was kind of a waste of a few weeks of my time. How quickly the industry is changing and how fast tech is moving. Yeah. So interesting, interesting place to double down on. Retention reasons is something that comes up a lot. And it's it's a piece that everyone says we're reviewing and we're looking at, you know, we're making data based decisions based on the retention strategies and all that. Dig a little bit more into that. It seems like, you know, maybe for lack of a better term, customers aren't that unique. A lot of customers are either staying subscribed for a single reason or they're canceling for a single reason. But if you're not listing those on the cancellation reasons, you just have to kind of figure out a bit more of what they're looking for and then kind of make those slight easy adjustments. So it's not a massive undertaking, right? It's twisting and tweaking a little bit of data at a time. Yeah, but we've like a lot of brands don't bother. They have all the data but right. they don't even really like dive into it or like do much analysis on it. I mean, yeah, Tom, I know you've got, I've got a lot of experience with T on this kind of stuff, but yeah, most customers don't really engage kind of sat like with a pool of data and don't necessarily know what to do with it. So when you install Recharge, there's a setting where you can either require the customer to fill in a cancellation reason if they are canceling their subscription or it's optional. If you can, based on your jurisdiction, you should switch it on. So you force everyone to give you a cancellation reason. And then once you do that, you also want to edit the cancellation reason. So they give you something informative about your product and service. If you just get the out of the box reasons, you're not going to learn much about them. So that's one of the first things you can do to get good data. I think that's a really good call out. Kind of leads into our next point of subscription growth. It's a very generic question of how do you get your subscribers to grow more? How do you get them to pay more? One of the things you mentioned is writing analysis for something like makeup or something like a face product, it's better to have them run out of the product and then look to renew it rather than having too much at a time, which is opposite for something maybe like a facial care, like a lotion or something like that. How do you kind of continue to use data to push subscription growth? What are some of the challenges you see? How do you incentivize the customers? I think the first session, something like a hair brand is that you're competing with the other products in that person's bathroom. So making sure that when they receive the package for the first time that you build content around 
making that product part of the person's routine. So like really good explanation manuals or like sending them email content with videos around how they can use the product, get the product to have a really great experience with the first time they order. And I think you're going to make everything much easier from then on. Yeah. I mean, like, Totally. So that, I think there's, there's that kind of educational piece, uh, like as Tom said, is like, how do you get people to habitualize that product, build it into routine, have it whilst they're put into the same stack as when they're rushing out to take their vitamins, et cetera. And then there's the other piece of it, which is like, I guess, more kind of brandy, more kind of surprise and delight. How do you just like give someone such like a, like a really charming experience that they're like, this brand is the one for me. I absolutely love everything about it. I always forget soft serve, I think is their name. They're like a New York based like face care brand to do I think it's on a on a single purchase when you get to day twenty-eight of what's expected to be like a, a 30 day kind of routine. They send you like a tiny little wooden spoon with like a discount code to subscribe. And the spoon is designed to like help you get the last bit of cream out of the pot, which is just such a charming, cute way of really kind of cementing you in that in that kind of user's mind creating a really That's nice such a good way to do that such a good yeah. piece i love that yeah i really like that but it's i mean that kind of thing like you can't i mean that requires like such kind of creative thought and like a brand to be really open to like trying things like that obviously requires all the ops and stuff in the back end to like make the spoon and ship the spoon and all of that so it's not something you can like easily just turn on and it's not like an email you can just email flow you can just set up to help something a bit nice it requires like a deeper level of engagement with the end user of the product but anything you can do around that can be really really powerful origin coffee here in the uk reach out customers who do like we've seen historically like a lot of getting people over that three-month hurdle or that three-month like threshold and on a subscription can really like help just cement that as something they're they're, they're using so like 90 days after them using it and they're like this product is going to be with me for the next couple of years. They incentivize it a third one. They do a discount month one and then another discount month three to just keep people locked in. So that like moving on to month four and hopefully that cohort is just going to be much like stronger. Does it seem like the third month or maybe the third shipment is kind of that critical mass moment for a lot of products, for a lot of different verticals, or is it just kind of like facial beauty, that kind of stuff? Because we, I seem uh, to see that three month number pop up quite a bit. I mean, I don't think it's hard and fast, but I think it's like a rule of thumb. I mean, these guys are coffee, so I think it's a rule of thumb. I wouldn't have said, it, said it's like a golden rule for everyone, but I think it's probably a useful yardstick. But in general, I mean, the, the more the, you can the, kind of incentivize people, surprise and delight, you know, show them, hey, we really care about you. Here's the education. Here's how you use XYZ product. All of that stuff obviously plays into retention and, and greater average order value, lifetime value, right? Totally. The so most like, important is the first to second order. You've obviously got to get that right. And then it's second to third, third to fourth. I think one thing that a lot of is they use don't use the recharge data to segment their customers in Clavio properly. So if you build flows between those different segmentation and you get that right, that's going to drive a lot of retention. I totally agree. We see a lot of brands just look at like the next shipment and what's the process between shipment A and shipment B, but that's different of the difference between shipment one and two versus seven and eight or three and four. Everything's different on how long you've been subscribed, how much you're using the product, how engaged you are how many times you're signing into the customer portal, all those types of things. So the data does really need to be segmented really carefully to understand, you know, should we take a higher level of care between shipment one and two to hopefully get them for the next couple months? Tom and Mukla, maybe there's a, a three-month hurdle, maybe there's a four-month hurdle, maybe we do some sort of surprise and delight between the third and the fourth to kind of keep them going to month six. All of that stuff is, is kind of data-based, right? 
Yeah, well, it's, at least it should be. I mean, there, the data's there to be read. You can kind of dig around as, as much as like you want, but like, I think it's, there's not that many brands, I think, that are doing it really, really well. I guess sometimes that might be just a factor of like, you've only got like 300 subscribers, like maybe it isn't worth spending like so much time on the, like the nuances between various months. Yeah. But ultimately like this kind of, if you can kind of prove out this model, you can just pour, prove out this model, plug the holes in the bucket and you can pour more money in on the top and your brand's a winner. So yeah, I think a lot of brands maybe don't necessarily engage in the data, don't necessarily see the benefit of just trying to like move the needle incrementally on subscription churn improvements on just trying to drive more people into a subscription funnel and then like down to the bottom, like hockey stick curve of lifetime value. People don't really see until like something the, the VC is back and is asking for it. Right. That's an important piece of the, of the puzzle that I'm not sure people will necessarily engage with as much as they should do. They're, they're attracted by the shiny new lights of new customers coming in, conversion rates and all of that, but what they already have in terms of like purchases in terms of subscribers, they should be focused on trying to get more from. I think you nailed it. We're starting to see a little bit of that shift where the the name of the game has been acquisition for such a long time that really only slightly after post-COVID and through the last year or so, are people really focusing on retention kind of as an acquisition source. Like it's easier to retain a handful of people rather than acquire new ones. One of the, the other really interesting things you talked about was surprise and delight. Talk to me a little bit about the difference between a online and an offline surprise and delight. I know you make a distinction there. How do you kind of balance each of those? So I mean, well, I guess that offline surprise and delight, I mean, that that example I gave you of the soft serve, the little wooden spoon piece is lovely. I do see some brands doing like front loading surprises, which I think it's like if you get your Christmas presents in like mid-December, it kind of ruins Christmas for you. I was looking at another coffee brand here in the UK today who you seem to do that. You get all the goodies right up there. And subscription number one, it's more about just getting people into subscription funnel, but there isn't much in the way of the ongoing like month three, month five, little present here, little present there, little like whatever, just to kind of keep people engaged and keep people like excited about your brand. There's online, I mean, there's a whole host of things we can be looking at. Like we work very closely with the likes of like Yopmo and, and Loyalty Lines, like drive people into their loyalty programs and, and how like subscription can play in those kind of worlds quite nicely. People racking up points or however they're just deemed to set it up, then can be used to get a month free on a subscription or like get a free subscription to share for like three months with another one, whatever it is. Those are really nice ways of looking at surprise and delight. It doesn't cost the brand very much. There's no like upfront setup of having to go out and find a manufacturer for the spoon and, and right. get that up to the warehouse. It's quite low lift. It can be literally someone or an agency in a couple of hours, just like figuring it out and setting up in a Yopo. So yeah, I guess you can kind of test quite quickly. I guess the, the downside of these is they can be a little bit arbitrary or like nebulous, like points in a dashboard that right. aren't so nice, aren't such like a surprise or delight as getting something you generally didn't expect to receive through the post. I mean, I, I think speak for all of us here, like that does feel like Christmas. So yeah, it's the kind of the balance is the easier loyalty program points for one versus like something generally thoughtful and nice and physical, like through the mouth. I think it's a combination of both. I think that's really well said. Within loyalty, I think there's a lot of opportunity for growth. I think everyone's been kind of stuck on this points-based system. You know, how do I redeem 10 points <laughs> for this product, whatever it is? How does that play into average order value? Do points kind of leverage like a cross-sell or an upsell? How does kind of loyalty build into your average order value strategy? I mean, I think in general, like we've found loyalty or the more traditional points-based loyalty 
for most of our clients, not all of them, but most have been not that effective. We, I mean, one of our biggest clients represent who are, I mean, they're an apparel brand. They've got the most successful loyalty program. Like we've seen people go mad for it and it's very, it's no, none of the kind of like, it's birthday, here's five points or like send a referral, get red points or whatever. It's very, very basic. The more you spend, the more you get. But they're like, poor customer base just can't get enough of it. And there's literally tens and tens of millions of points or pounds or other points just like in there. People are planning on using and spending. But what they are looking to do beyond this as a kind of a loyalty program of sorts is potentially with recharge is like a membership. So like the kind of the Amazon Prime style of loyalty, which I think is a bit more tangible. People are like paying for it. And I think if you're paying for something, then you're you're engaged with it. It's not just like, oh, I don't know, moisturize a brand that I don't really care about. I give me some points, right. whatever. It's like, this is the brand that I already care about. I'm already buying stuff from that I'm willing to like sign up for a subscription to essentially get, I don't know, free shipping or like early access to drops or whatever it is. But that really, that is both like easy money in the pocket, straight on the top, like profit, easy. And also like you're learning who in your loyalty program are really actually engaged people who are willing to spend whatever is a hundred dollars a year to be a part of this as opposed to like just someone who quite likes buying from you and and ends up with thousands of points but doesn't necessarily use them or really engage around beyond maybe just buying a bit of product i think you're spot on i'm really high on the idea of memberships a paid membership especially i, I think you absolutely nailed it the more somebody's actually investing in something the more likely they are to use it and engage with it so it doesn't need to be a super expensive paid membership but just something that kind of keeps the customer coming back, make sure they know what they're getting for this. Again, education is a huge piece. And I think there's a, there's a lot of value there. Yeah, I think it can be a combination. But yeah, having that like Amazon Prime type membership, which really adds value. I mean, you obviously need the customer base for it. You need the product totally. and the brand that people are willing to spend. But as a brand owner, getting that cash in the bank or not doing a huge amount or like providing something that maybe you were giving away for free before is great. And then, I, think, I think the idea of bundling a whole load of value together as well in order to get yeah. access to that is, is really important. So if you're doing content or a club or early releases, yeah. all of that sort of stuff, I think makes a big difference. Yeah, I've seen it before. And I mean, I know we were talking about this with Seva, but I, I was speaking to another pet care brand a while ago about this access, like 24-7 access to a vet, things that people probably wouldn't necessarily buy themselves, but like that's a really attractive way to get people to sign up. And at scale, if you've got, I don't know, 10,000 people paying for this, obviously the economy of scale just make that actually quite a quite an achievable thing for you as a brand to offer. So yeah, they, yeah, to Tom's point, this, I mean, it's not just like free shipping and stuff. There's a whole world of really interesting things you can bring into this bundle. I guess this kind of the sky's the limit on that. But yeah, the more creative you can get, the better. And the more things that like tie people in, like if you're paying 100 bucks a year and you get 24-7 access to a vet, your dog, that's not something you necessarily, you'll think twice about canceling that. Absolutely. I think you used it. Yeah. Yeah. Access to a vet is, is like a really specific benefit, obviously a pet care brand would be offering. But like you said, I think the sky's the limit on how creative you can get with a type of membership or a type of loyalty program. So that's something that's really interesting. We're, we're excited about the future of that on the horizons at Recharge. Yeah. I'm excited to see that kind of roll out. So we're starting a new uh, closing tradition on this podcast where the previous guest writes a question for the next guest. So today's question is, what is your favorite sound? So TM, we'll start with you. So, I mean, we were going to say the, the cheesy Shopify, cha-ching, money in the bank one, but no, I'm, I'm currently, I mean, you can't tell from the video, 
but I'm currently on the coast in northern Sweden and the sound of water lapping at the shore below where I've been working all day is pretty nice. So I think I'll go with that, like water on shore line. Not much beach sea, sea on Sea on shoreline. <laughs> That's pretty great. TC, let's see if you can top that. Oh, well, I'll try. I've just been staying in a house in Devon and there's been a, a river running by with the owls at night and that really got me. I think we're both going down a, a bit of a nature route, but I think you, yeah, can't, you can't beat that. We've both taken ourselves out of London and are like, not digitally detoxing, but just like de-stressing ourselves in, in nature. That bit thread running through those. I think potentially quite a tragic thread where we're agency owners desperate to get our hands dirty and build something <laughs> physical. Yeah. Everything's cyclical. We go from this hard work over to the digital world and now everyone's <laughs> in digital trying to get back in nature and do something with your hands again. 100%. Tom and Tom, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for, for coming on the show. Thank Cheers. you very much. Thanks. Appreciate it. Cheers, Chase. Bye. We'd like to thank Tom and Tom once again for joining us. If you're interested in Superco, you can head over to superco.io. 